With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Matt Larkin. I'm with Ken Campbell. I'm with Ryan Kennedy. And we are continuing our previews of the Tups at Turvey. Weird divisions realigned because of COVID. And we're going to talk about the West, quote unquote, the West division with eight teams. And let's just dive right into it, fellas. We're going to start at the bottom again. The rules are, if you've been listening to our other podcasts, if you haven't been, we're following our rankings according to our yearbook power rankings. That's the staff consensus. They are subject to minor changes because, you know, the magazine's been out for a few weeks. There have been some injuries, some additional player movements, signings, etc. So that's a jumping off point, but we are free to disagree with them if we want to. And we're going to start with the Anaheim Ducks at the bottom. That's who we have at the moment projected to be last place. So, Kenny, we'll start with you. What do you like? What can you find that's a positive about this Ducks team? Well, I like their long-term future. <laughs> you know, I think we've seen that Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale are both going to be really good NHL players. Um, you know, I think Jacob Perot is a guy that, you know, he, I, 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 I think he's going to get it. Um, his dad took a while to get it uh, to, before he became a, an impactful player in the NHL. And I think this guy's going to take a little while before he gets it. But I do like the thought of, the, of him and Trevor Zegras playing together. I think that really intrigues me. You know, I, you know, there's not much. Um, I, you know, Kevin Shatt and Kirk and Cam Fowler, I think is a, could be an intriguing defense pairing for them. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, not real high on them. And for good reason, we haven't lost. <laughs> and I would say for me, I, I do like their goaltending. I think John Gibson uh, has proven in the past that you know he can be that guy that steals you games and he will need to steal them games if they're gonna you know be anywhere near competent as a franchise this season and and ryan miller coming back i think it's just a good cultural fit i think ryan miller is just a good guy to have around a team that is going to need some some veteran presence to um just kind of keep their heads above water again there's not a lot to like right now but Goaltending, I think they at least have the guys that can help them back there. For sure. And, you know, John Gibson, for a while, we I felt like he might have been the best goalie in the world. He was putting up tremendous numbers without getting a lot of help. It finally ran out last year. He just didn't have the support. But theoretically, maybe he'll get a bit more this year if the decor is also healthier. Because, of course, Josh Manson was hurt last year, too. And if you look at, you know, Manson, Lindholm, Fowler, Shattenkirk, that's a pretty, pretty stable top four. Um, and eventually, you know, Trevor Zegras, there's so much, there's so much reason to be excited for him. I think he has the potential to be one of the elite playmakers in the league, sort of take the torch from the generation of Henrik Sedin and Nicholas Backstrom and Getzlaff and Joe Thornton. Those are those really magical passers. I think Zegras could be, you know, a guy who leads the league in assists if everything clicks right. It's a question of whether it's going to be this year. And 
Uh, and that's sort of, you know, if we're going to transition to what we don't like about the team, that's kind of where I land. It's just the skill. It hasn't all arrived yet. We don't know if Zegers is going to make the team. We don't, I don't think that Jamie Drysdale will yet. And if you look at the other guys, you know, they've been, the Ducks have been rebuilding for a few years. You've got Sam Steele and Max Jones. Those guys are 22. They're not teenagers anymore. And I'm starting to wonder if the switch is ever going to go on for them. Uh, and if it doesn't, then, you know, you've, it kind of feels like these last couple of years have been wasted and the rebuild is not as far along as it should be because in terms of really high-end guys, you've got Zegers and Drysdale, of course, but there's a pretty steep drop-off. So I'm a bit nervous about that if I'm a Ducks fan, even for their long-term future. Power play was really bad. You do bring in Shattenkirk. It's going to help a bit, but it's not going to completely fix it. So that's kind of what I'm struggling to understand about the Ducks in terms of their long-term trajectory. And of course, you know, they're veterans, guys like Getzlaff and Enrique. You know, they're, they're, they're fine, but they're more stopgaps stop gaps at, at this stage of their careers. Uh, but to me, the number one concern is the fact that the generation of kids that they've already drafted in the last few seasons is not really moving along as quickly as expected. So, Ryan, what do you not like about the Ducks right now? Well, I, th I think you make a very good point there, Matt. Uh, it's their forwards and their kind of short term future, because you're right. You know, that cohort, the Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, you know, um, it, it never really materialized the way we thought it would. And maybe this year they get it and surprise us, but I'm not holding out a lot of hope. And now I'm kind of looking to the next generation, you know, obviously Zegers, but yeah, you know, Jacob Perot, Braden Tracy, uh, Benoit Olivier Gru, uh, even Jack Badini's kind of an interesting bottom six guy. But, you know, because of that, the Ducks, the rebuild's not going to happen as fast as you would like because there's going to be a bit of a void that they anticipated being filled. And I think that's what we're seeing right now where, you know, they had to bring in guys who are kind of at the back end of their career, have this island of misfit toys with like Sonny Milano and Danton Heinen. Um, you know, I mean, David Backus is not really the same situation, but you just have these kind of placeholder guys where you kind of hope that they, you know, catch a spark, but I don't think they will. Um, so that would be my biggest concern is like right now, I think their forward core is a bit of a mess. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you guys. And I, I think that the, the biggest problem here is that Bob Murray, it appears, just is, is kind of hoping that improvement comes from within and everybody gives a little bit more and gets a little bit better. And, you know, there's so many flaws in a strategy like that. Number one, hope is not a strategy. And number two, it's, it's misplaced hope because, you know, these guys, you know, really haven't given them any reason to think that they're going to, you know, make some sort of monumental leap and become, you know, these elite NHL forwards. I mean, if you want to get better at forward and basically all you did was bring Derek Grant back for a third time, uh, I'm not sure you're getting that much better. And, you know, I mean, the same things you guys said, the Sam Steels, the Troy Terry's, guys like that, you know, you, we, we expected much more from them, you know, especially watching Troy Terry and the world juniors and all those shootout goals and, and all of that, you know, I think we expected a lot more from that group. Um, and, and when you don't get a, when you don't get a, a, a good contribution from those sort of younger to middle mid-age guys, um, it's really, really hard to compete in the NHL. And I think the Ducks are going to find that this year. Very true. So third category, if you're uninitiated, is you're at a wedding. So this is an, an Orange County wedding and a drunk Ducks fan 
is pestering you, asking questions about the Ducks. So what do you tell this Ducks fan about, about Anaheim's hopes uh, this season? Ryan, start with you. Zegers and Drysdale are the future, but they are still the future. Yeah. And I was talking to a scout yesterday and he said, you know, sometimes guys get better, but sometimes they just get older. <laughs> and that's how I feel about the Ducks. That's how I feel about the Ducks uh, young forwards is, you know, they, they might not get better. They might just get another year older. And I'd say the best thing to come out of Anaheim in 2021 will be the Disney plus Mighty Ducks reboot. It will not be the hockey team in real life. Keep expectations low. Moving on now to the LA Kings, a team that's been rebuilding for a while under Rob Blake. And of course, they have the number two overall pick, Quinton Byfield coming in, a lot of youth on the way. So uh, Ryan, considering you are Mr. Prospect, what do you like about the Kings as this new generation starts to age into the roster? Well, I like how many options they have, and I like some of the uh, developmental decisions they've made. First and foremost, they sent five of their kids over to Berlin to train with Ice Bear in Berlin. Um, I guess it would have been a couple of months ago now, but it was during the quarantine. So they were getting Turcotte and Tyler Madden and Nikhil Thomas. Uh, they were getting them reps, you know, playing with men. They got in some exhibition games. You know, I talked to Akil Thomas. Uh, he had a very good experience there. And so they, they kept their kids on the ice. And I know Arthur Kaliev, who was now playing at the World Juniors with Team USA, he was in L.A. training with some of the Kings pros. So they're, they're pushing things in the right direction. And, you know, there's all those names. Um, you know, obviously Alex Turcotte's at the World Juniors right now as well. Quentin Byfield, as we mentioned, you know, you still have Gabe Velarde, who is starting to reach his potential as a prospect after going through just a laundry list of, uh, you know, adversity, you know, some big injuries. Seems like he's on the right track now. So what I like is that there's going to be some great roster competition on the Kings. I'm not sure how the quarantine is going to work post world juniors. Um, that's going to be kind of interesting because all those you know, all those kids are in Canada right now. And if they're going to play for the Kings, I, I would assume there's going to have to be some kind of isolation. Um, and then you have, you know, training camp is starting while the world juniors are still on. So that's a big question mark for me. Like, I don't know if they're going to have kids on the taxi squad versus the real squad. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, but I really like how they've uh, developed players right now. There's going to be some fierce competition and they're probably going to have another high draft pick this year because obviously we don't expect the Kings to be very good. But I, I like how they're putting things together. And they still have the veterans like Kopitar and Carter that can sort of lead the kids in the next year or two. Um, so I think they're set up well. Yeah, Matt, you, you know, you said off the top that we're free to disagree with these, with these uh, projections. And this is one that I disagree with. I, I think the Kings are are better than people think they're going to be. Um, you know, and when it comes down to it in this division, they only have to make the playoffs. They only have to be better than Arizona, Minnesota, San Jose, and Anaheim. I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think that's out of the question. I really don't think that's out of the question. I love the vibe around this team. I really, really like the vibe around this team. 
I like that they've transitioned from an older, slower kind of, uh, you know, sort of um, plotting group to a team that's, you know, really going to put a lot of emphasis on, you know, being dogged on the puck and, and being fast. I mean, they picked up uh, Andreas Athanasiu yesterday, um, you know, not a guy that, you know, has done much, but, you know, really brings a speed element to them. And I like the fact that guys like, you know, that guys like Kale Clegg and Gabe Velarde and Alex Turcotte and, and, and those guys are, are going to get a chance, you know, to, to, to integrate themselves into this lineup and to maybe show what they can do at the NHL level. And I think a real dark horse here um, that we haven't mentioned is, is a guy like Leah Anderson, um, you know, a guy that really, um, you know, again, you know, we just talked about it. Maybe he gets a year older. He doesn't get a year better, but a guy that really needed a change of scenery and needs a clean slate and now has one. So I, I just like, you know, I think Todd McClellan has done a good job. He did a good job last year of sort of managing this team and, and, and that, and I, and I, I, I'm not convinced that this team isn't, you know, sneaky a little bit better. And, you know, since they're playing in the worst division in the NHL, I think, I, I think, I don't think it's out of the question to see this team maybe, you know, be in the playoff hunt for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. And, and I think, you know, if you look at what I like about the Kings, obviously it's the future more than the present. And I've been saying for a while, I think Rob Blake is following a template. I don't know if it's on purpose or subconscious, whatever it is, but I think he's following his old teammate, Joe Sackick's path. Yeah. He's laying low. He's been very conservative. The Kings have made so few roster changes over the past couple off seasons. They're just slowly building that critical mass of, of prospects and it's getting there. It's getting to the point now where they're going to start pushing the envelope to crack the lineup. And maybe it's going to be Quinton Byfield. Maybe it's Turcotte. We're going to see these guys starting to trickle in. Tobias Bjorn fought on defense, had a cup of coffee last year. And what's interesting is, you know, the guys, the holdovers that are still there from the cup winning teams, they, they still keep this team playing really strong possession hockey. The Kings, even though Daryl Sutter is long gone, in the possession numbers, the Kings are still putting up those Kings numbers where they dominate the possession because you still have guys like Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty who are, you know, past their prime now, but they're still really good play drivers. And even Cal Peterson and Nett is someone to get maybe a little excited about. He's only, you know, he's only had 18, 19 career games, but a 923 save percentage. And maybe he's going to be the successor to Jonathan Quick. And that's why LA felt comfortable trading away Jack Campbell last year because they felt Peterson was ready to come in and be the heir apparent. So I am starting to see reasons for optimism. The question to me, and it kind of it ties to if we're looking for dislikes, is whether, you know, how many, how many of these kids can we count on to be ready right now? And, and Byfield's a guy I worry about, I worry about uh, not long-term, but just when you're as big as he is, there's a natural assumption, oh, he's a man-child, he's NHL ready, but his overall game isn't necessarily. So he's someone who I think is at the risk of being rushed because, oh, look, he's Eric Lindros, he's a tank. But it doesn't mean, you know, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I, I think that Byfield's scouting report, even coming to the draft, was that, you know, the ceiling is massive, but he's still a little bit raw. He's, he wasn't the most NHL ready of all the kids in that top 10 of the draft class. So I don't think we can assume he's going to come in and, and dominate. The other thing about the, the Kings that I would worry about is just, it's been the problem for a decade, all throughout the Sutter era. Yes, they're faster, but they don't finish. They don't have the goal scores anymore. And, you know, they're really good shot generators, but they rank near the bottom of the league in not just overall offense, but shooting percentage last year. They can't put the puck in the net. They can get the puck down the ice. Drew Doughty can get it there. Kopitar can protect the puck, but they don't have the guys who can put it in the net when they have it on their stick in high scoring areas. And that's going to change, of course, with the kids that are coming up, but I don't think it's going to change right away. That would be my criticism of the Kings. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? What's the downside to this team? 
Well, I'm looking at the defense and it's pretty rough right now. You know, we, we talked, you talked about Drew Doughty. I mean, this is not the Drew Doughty that we used to know. Um, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. He is not the Norris Trophy winner slash candidate he used to be. And there's not a lot behind him. You know, I mean, Sean Walker had sort of a nice breakout season. He was a nice surprise for him, but that just isn't there right now. You know, Olimata, I don't think it's going to be a big difference maker. You know, I mean, Curtis McDermott's kind of a third pairing guy. I would say Matt Roy's kind of in that category as well. Mikey Anderson's still pretty young, finding, you know, finding his way as a pro. So I think there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road because this team, you know, they do have some exciting forwards still, but someone's got to get them the puck and they have to get it out of their own zone. And yeah, I guess some of those two way forwards like Kopitar can help, but overall I worry that the Kings are going to get bogged down in their own end and in transition because they don't have the defense core that they used to. Yeah, I really like what Ante Kopitar did last year. I really like the bounce back season he had. I thought he was terrific last year. Uh, but again, you know, I, I'm like you, Matt, I'm worried that, you know, beyond him, like really, is there anybody on this team that can score with any sort of consistency whatsoever? It doesn't really appear to be. I mean, you know, it's not going to be Jeff Carter, I don't think. It's not going to be Alex Iafalo. Uh, and so now you know, we talked about these young guys, but now it really falls to them, you know, now it really falls to them to be difference makers. And, and you'd like to put them into positions where they can succeed and give them easy minutes and all that sort of thing. But it might not be possible because of the lack of depth on this team that, you know, guys like Quentin Byfield and Alex Turcotte and guys like that, they just get thrown right into it. And they're going up against, you know, some pretty good, you know, opponents uh, on the other side of the puck. And, you know, that might be a struggle. And, you know, like you said with Quentin Byfield, I mean, I think it's going to take some time. You know, I mean, he's not even really dominating at the world junior level right now, um, the way I think a lot of people would, would like to see a second overall pick be dominating. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to take some time. Okay, so now you're at a nice posh L.A. wedding and the Kings fan, it's, it's probably a celebrity. Maybe it's Tom Hanks or Will Ferrell. And they want to know about, about the Kings prospects this year of, of being a comeback team. So Ryan, what do you tell the celebrity Kings fan? I say be patient and buy a bunch of reverse retro jerseys. <laughs> this team will be playing meaningful games in, what is it, May? April, May? <laughs> not playoffs, not the playoffs, per probably but they'll be playing meaningful games at the end of the season okay and I'll, I'll say their time will come but their time will not be this year maybe next year but it's, it's on the way uh next up we have the san jose sharks a team that had a lot of injuries last year and maybe he's going to be healthier this year uh so what do we like about the sharks we'll start with you ken well i guess one of the things i like about the sharks is that they've had nine months to get over their injuries, to get, you know, to get prepared, you know, Eric Carlson, you know, 
you know, he's, he had the thumb problem and he's got always oh, got the ankle problems, of course. Um, you know, so hopefully, you know, he'll be back to close to hundred percent. Um, you know, Logan Couture, I like, I like their top end, their top end talent and the, some of their leadership, uh, you know, Logan Couture, Evander Kane, you know, they've, they've still got some good top end talent. Um, you know, and, and I guess what I like too about San Jose is, is, is they're, they don't really, um, it's not an organization that has a culture of um, accepting losing, you know, so, uh, so they, they you know, I, I think that counts for something. I don't think they're going to let it slip too far. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, those are some of the things that I think are okay about this team. Yeah, I think they have some guys that are in their prime uh, on top of the guys that, that Ken mentioned. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, uh, obviously super fun to watch. Um, you know, very good offensive player. Timo Meyer, I think, is a very interesting player as well. Um, you know, they, they don't have super exciting guys coming up, but they have guys that kind of fit, like Dylan Gambrell. So I think they'll be marginally better, but maybe not. I'm actually surprised we had them ahead of the Kings. Me too. Um, Me too. <laughs> I, I, I think they're going to be pretty bad. Um, but hopefully they can keep it respectable. Yeah, it's like who on the staff of all three of us as, as the, the senior writers were not high on the Sharks. I don't know how they rose that high, but I don't, I don't know. That, I digress. Uh, you know, the Sharks, I, I think you can at least say they can, they on paper can blame the injuries. The injury, injuries were catastrophic. Thomas Harrell blew out his knee and Eric Carlson was out and Lone Couture and I was just looking at their record. They were 15-12-1 at the end of November, and they went 14-24-4 after that. So the injuries did drag the team down like an anchor. We know they still have, you know, they're they're not the youngest team. Their, their core is, is getting older, but they have good veteran group of forwards, with, like you guys said, Kane and, and Hurdle and Byron. And, you know, Burns, Carlson, and Vlasic as a top three on defense, they're getting older, but they're still good. They're not as good as they were, but they're still, I think, well above average at this stage of his career or, or their career. Uh, Ryan, tell me what you don't like about the Sharks team. Well, you actually just kind of mentioned it with those defense. Uh, I'm just super worried because you have three guys all in their 30s taking up $26.5 million of cap space. And I know the Sharks don't really need to worry about cap space too much right now, but I mean, Brent Burns is 35. Vlasic is uh, 33 and Carlson is 30, but in the body of a 40 year old uh, based on the injuries he's had lately. And you don't want a puck mover with a banged up body. So I'm very concerned that, you know, the best days for those three are gone and they are all signed long-term, like at, at least until the summer of 2025. So my concern is that the Sharks are kind of stuck with an aging defense core. And, you know, they do have some young guys like Mario Ferraro coming up that are very good. Um, but I'm just worried that they're going to be kind of in a, a mire for quite a while now because of this aging banged up blue line. A Timo Meyer, if you will. Hey, oh. Yo, um, as worried as I am about the, the Sharks defense, I'm way, way more worried about the guys that are playing just behind them. Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik 
as a goaltending tandem. Arguably, statistically, two of the worst number one goalies in the NHL last year. Um, yeah, that that worries me. Um, I'm not as high, Matt, on their defense, on their aging defense core as maybe you are. I think the drop off ha- has continues to be pretty dramatic, and I think it's going to continue. Um, so I worry about that, especially with that goaltending. Uh, they're going to be pretty leaky this year, I think, and uh, their goaltending historically, I mean, the last couple of years has shown that. Um, wow, they're not going to be able to keep them in games, I just don't think. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, Martin Jones is graded out as the worst goaltender on the planet or in the NHL, I should say on the planet. But the the worst goaltender in the NHL easily in the last couple of years. And the scariest thing about it was that his degree of difficulty, his expected goals, they weren't, it wasn't bad. Like the defense in front of him was playing decent and he was still that bad, which is, it's like the reverse Connor Hellebuck where Hellebuck was awesome, even though he had really bad health. Martin Jones had lots of help and he still couldn't stop the puck. And Devin Dumnick was almost as bad. So I think that's a very concerning tandem. And I just think the Sharks, they're victims of their own success because under Doug Wilson, they've been so competitive for so long, almost never missing the playoffs. They get so few high draft picks. Their prospect pool is right there with Pittsburgh's, I think, is the worst in the league for the same reason, right? You're trading away picks or you're never picking high. You know, Ryan Merkley is probably their best prospect or, or Wiesblatt, but they're not a great. It's not like they're quitting Byfield, right? They're not top tier Jamie's Drysdale type of guys and there's just no help coming in the immediate future and the forward depth it was terrible last year it's terrible this year behind that top group yes you've added Ryan Donato and and Patrick Marlowe but it's still it's barren behind them and you keep like I I, kind of laughed at the Sharks depth chart you could read six articles written by six different reporters and they're going to have six different projected lineups like Sasha Chmielewski Alexander True there's all these different guys being thrown into the lineup no one knows where they're going to play because it's just a mess after the top six and I don't think that's going to change this year there just isn't enough help coming and even the top guys yes you know Kane, Hurdle, Couture they're all good but none of them you know that there's no 50 goal score there there's no 100 point threat there they're not elite elite guys so I I just you can probably get the 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 theme that I'm trying starting to project here but I'm out on the Sharks this year and if we're doing our summary to the Sharks fans I I say the Sharks the Sharks going to go belly up I think they're a sleeper to be last in the division. They're too top heavy. They have no depth. Their top players are past their prime. Their goaltending looks bad. I just, the reason why I don't like the Sharks this year are just piling up. I'm out. I'm out on the Sharks. You had a good run. Sorry, guys. I'm out. What do you think? Yeah. I would say uh, enjoy hurdle power, but that's pretty much it. At this wedding, there it's a cash bar at this wedding. So I'm putting my arm around the guy and saying, let me buy you a drink because I really, no, no, no. Because I really feel sorry for you, bro. Like, I really feel sorry for you, bro. Like, you know, you're the only team in California that hasn't won a Stanley cup. And for so many years, your team did it right. They did it the right way. They developed from within. They, you know, they, they made good trades. They made good signings. They had a great culture. You know, they did all those things. And now you've got, diddly to show for it because it's over and uh you should be drinking heavily let me buy you a drink (laughs) so next up it's funny i'm looking at this this division it's it's a little top heavy there's uh like i'm looking so now next up at at number five we have arizona i I don't like did i black out during these discussions yeah you did (laughs) how do we how do we have the coyotes this high i don't know what happened uh but let's let's start let's talk about what we like about Arizona's <laughs> roster. Uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. What do you like about the Coyotes this year? Well, I mean, 
I like their goaltending. I think Darcy Kemper, when he was healthy, was really good. Uh, Auntie Ranta is still a very good 1B netminder who can, who can fill in in the pinch when you need him. Um, other than that, I mean, they've got interesting players. I'm, I'm still pretty bullish on Barrett Hayton. Uh, he played pretty well over in Finland on a loan. Got some good experience there, so he'll be able to hit the ground running. And I think he'll have a great opportunity to seize a, a pretty juicy role, particularly since they traded Derek Stepan. Yeah, like you, Ryan, I, I really like their goaltending. I think Darcy Kemper was a Vezina caliber trophy goalie, uh, Vezina trophy caliber goalie <laughs> last year until he got hurt. And Auntie Ranta, I mean, the, the biggest knock on him is he just can't stay healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he's healthy and, and in a groove, I mean, they're, they're, he gets lights freaking out. Like, he is amazing. Um, again, this, you know, I, what I, I like that they hired Bill Armstrong. That's kind of what I like a lot about this team. I think it had become absolutely toxic. That front office had become absolutely toxic between John Chaka and Lindsey Hofford and, and all of the stuff that was going on there. That place had become toxic. And again, here's another team, Arizona, that they're not good enough to merit having this much drama and baggage attached to them. They're just not. So just be quiet and do your thing and get better and shut up. And so, like, I like that that's going to happen. I like that they, you know, that they, they, they kind of, you know, um, Bill Armstrong kind of tweaked, you know, his forwards a little bit. I like, you know, Barrett Hayton, Lawson, Kraus, Christian Fischer, Fisher. I mean, I think that could be a pretty good third line, although maybe now Barrett Hayton moves up into that number two spot with, um, you know, with the trade of Derek Stepan. But I, I like what they're putting in place. And, and I like the fact that to just let's just do it quietly, guys. Let's not let's just do it quietly and just just let's start showing that we're good instead of talking about how good we can be. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, I, I think goaltending is a strength. Of, and even just the decor, it's, you know, even if Oliver Ekman Larson's never going to ascend to that Norris level and, and you know, Jacob Chikrin maybe is not going to be a star, I think it's still a pretty sturdy group with Demers and Goligoski and just top to bottom, it's, it's reasonably deep. Uh, and the penalty killing was really good. I think that from what I understand, players really like playing for Rick Tock and he's got good buy-in. So even if you lose a guy like Brad Richardson, I think there's probably still going to be a pretty conscientious team with a good penalty kill. Uh, but you know, it's hard to find much else. I like, even if the forward group, I think at least you could say with Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, for example, I think the problem with the previous regime was that they handed out big money to those guys projecting things they hadn't done yet. And that's a weird thing to do for young players. You see it often with a UFA, you know, tw 28 years old, they're, they're hoping for him to match what he's done, but these guys, they haven't done anything yet. And, you know, Clayton Keller is making, what is he making? Seven plus million dollars. And we haven't seen the light turn on yet. On the other hand, he's still, you know, he's still young. There are a lot of rookies in the league this year that were older than Clayton Keller. So there's still time. So in theory, just on talent, you can say it's a positive. Um, but as you can guess, I see a lot more negatives than positives on this team. So Kenny, tell me what you don't like about the Coyotes. Well, 
Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Matt, there on, on Clayton Keller, because I think he did show that he was worth a, a worth a long-term money contract in the first couple of years of his career. The first month, thought, first couple of months, I'd say first couple of months. Well, well, yeah, but, but, but I think too, you know, I mean, you know, we, we give teams heck for signing guys for what they've done instead of what they're going to do. And I think they did sign this guy thinking that he was going to be better than he was. And he really hasn't lived up to that. You're right. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't, see much there that's going to challenge any of their top six up front uh any or much of their forwards up front um you know they they um rick talkett uh, you know i i spent a month in arizona last year i spent a lot of time around this team for for about a month during the season last year and the one thing that i kept taking away from this was rick talkett's message was that you know we're not good enough to not everybody have every everybody pulling at the same end of the rope, and when we're not doing that, we're not good. And they didn't get that enough. They don't get that enough. They don't get it enough from a lot of guys that are there. Um, and I'm not sure they're going to get it this year because those guys aren't really, really being challenged that much. So I, yeah, I do worry about that. Yeah, and for me. It- I'm more worried about their present than the future. Cause I agree. I think Bill Armstrong was a great choice for GM and, you know, he's moving out assets and, and trying to get picks back. Cause obviously, you know, Arizona got stung by the, 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 uh, the scouting uh, scandal that cost them picks. My worry is that like right now, they're a bit of a void up front, especially down the middle. Um, you know, and, and Derek step on, you know, he, he wasn't a number one center. He was a number two center, but he was one of the best that they had. And now you're looking at Nick Schmaltz and you're looking at Barrett Hayden. There's not a lot of options down the middle. And I mean, that's how you win in the NHL. You need to have strong centers and they just, they don't have them right now. And it's going to take a while because they don't have a super deep prospect pool um you know victor soderstrom is probably their best prospect and he's a defenseman um so he will help probably sooner than later but not up front obviously so i think there's going to be some pain for a couple of years and obviously you know losing picks uh for the 2020 draft and 2021 draft is going to hurt armstrong who is a, a strong scouting mind um, so it's going to be a bit of a slog, but I think he's sort of turning the aircraft carrier around and, you know, they've got stable ownership now, which they really didn't have for pretty much all of their existence. So I think that the bones are there for a good organization. Um, but it's, it's a reset and I think fans are going to have to be very patient because it's going to take years for this to turn around. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's a hard thing, I think, for, you know, Coyotes fans. This is a joke in there. You could say the, you could say the Coyotes fan. Uh, but it's <laughs> so mean. I'm sorry, Coyotes. Just slow hanging fruit. Uh, but I, I do think it's a tough pill to swallow for a team that's like, you know, it, it's always the Coyotes are always rebuilding. And, and to, to have to hear that, you know, even though you've been rebuilding for years and years and years you, you, there might be another five years before you're good but to bill armstrong's credit in, in just chatting with him shortly after he was hired I, he was giving the sense that he understands that this is a big this is a, this is a big undertaking it's a big cleanup job 
And even if you look at the, the, the moves on paper, you know, the body's going out, Stepan and Carl Soderberg and Taylor Hall, Richardson, Vinny Nostroza, the names coming in, you know, Drake Kajula and Johan Larson, John Hayden, they don't match the names going out. So this team clearly got worse on paper. And I think you have to give credit to Armstrong for understanding that, that, you know, there's no fixing this in year one. So you have to go backward, even though you've already, you're already pretty far backward, you have to go backward to go forward. And, you know, that's good long-term, but if we're talking about, you know, how we feel about the Coyotes this year, they're going to be worse this year. So that's, I, I think it's a con. They're, they just, they've lost a lot of talent. And especially like you guys set up the middle, you do have Christian Dvorak too, uh, who I think is matured to a pretty solid player, but the ceiling is not huge. And I think you're really, you're relying a lot on, on a Barrett Hayden breakout. And it's not the worst thing to rely on. I think he's a talented player, but if it doesn't happen, then I think, you know, you really have to worry about the Coyotes prospects this year. Uh, so just tell me your brief outlook. So Ken, you're back in Arizona. You're, you've met up with, I'm going to do it again. You met up with the Coyotes fan. So what do you tell the Coyotes fan? Sorry, bro. They're not expanding the playoffs this year. Burn. And I would say, Hey, you still have your first rounder for the 2022 draft. If you get Shane, right. Your franchise will be completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just say, you know, I'm sorry there. It's, it's, it's not good. It's, I know it's, it's not, it hasn't been good for a while, but it's going to be even more not good. And again, I don't, how do we have the Coyotes fifth? What happened in this meeting? Did we do LSD? I, I just like, <laughs> where maybe, maybe it was because it might've been just when my, my second kid was born. So had I not slept, I, I don't understand how we have Arizona in the top five. I think they're a bottom two team in this division, but that's just me. Uh, next up, we have the Minnesota Wild. I think they're a really hard team to forecast year to year because, you know, it looked like they're regressing, but then Bill Guerin comes, comes in and makes a coaching change as well. And they're kind of good down the stretch. And now they got some youth coming in. I don't know what to think of them. Uh, so, Ryan, let's start with you. What do you like about the Wild? Well, first I'll say I figured out with the rankings, we didn't have these divisions when we did the rankings. That's why they look weird. True. But having said that, um, you know, when I look at the Minnesota Wild, I mean, they're a very competent team. Yeah. Um, I like Kirill Kaprizov. That's going to be very exciting. I mean, when was the last time we were excited about an offensive player in Minnesota? Was it Marion Gabbard? Yeah, Gabbard. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, they still have, I mean, Zuccarello and, you know, Zach Parise, even though he's 36, uh, is, a, is still a, a very competent NHLer. Um, they have lots of nice elements. They're not fun to play against when you got guys like Marcus Foligno there. Um, I think they have a lot to prove, but they're at least going to be interesting. And I, I think that's something that we've rarely been able to say about the Wild is that they're going to be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I really like that they got out of the central, the traditional central division, and moved into this one. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm uh, Mr. Leopold, I'm lobbying for these divisions to stay for a while, for a few years, uh, because you get, you almost, almost get a free pass to the playoffs uh, for the time being. Anyways, um, you know, I, I like what Bill Guerin's done. I mean, I think he's come in and he's realized that this was a pretty sort of meh stale group. And he's shaking it up a little bit. I'm not sure that in the grand scheme of things, it makes them that much better than they were. But, but I think that a 
change is as good as a change or whatever. What, what's that? Something is as good as a change or a change is as good as something. I don't know. Something, something anyway. change. <laughs> something to do with change. Yeah. Um, we won't get fooled again. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I mean, I just, I like how Kevin Fiala broke out last year. I think that's a really promising sign. I think Kirill Kaprizov, I've, you know, I've been touting him as the, you know, the rookie of the year. And, but I think there's the, you know, the one thing I, I do really like about Minnesota is their defense core. And I'm going to like it even more next year because I think Matt Dumba is going to have a monster year this year. I think he's finally got that shoulder problem that he had from that fight a couple of years ago behind him. He went down to Arizona this year. He trained like crazy. He changed everything, changed his whole diet, changed everything. I think, and he talks about being Matt Dumba 2.0. And I, I even think in the playoffs against Vancouver, him and Jonas Brodeen were a pretty good shutdown pair against a lot of those, you know, high flying guys with that Vancouver had. Um, and, and so I think, I think he's going to be a lot better this year. So I think their defense is, is looking really good. And I think they're going to be really happy that they didn't trade Matt Dumba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys there. It's kind of a team that sneaks up on you and, and there's a lot that I like, and, and, you know, the wild for the last two years running, they're the best shot suppression team in the NHL in five on five, limiting yeah. chances, shots, high danger chances. They're really hard to penetrate. And, you know, they've got that top four that's pretty solid with Suter, Spurgeon, and Brody and, and, and Dumba. Like you guys said, Carson Susie was a nice surprise as well. And, you know, they were a good defensive team last year despite not getting help in net. They had bad goaltending from Devin Dovindick. Stalock, eventually the light switched on a bit later in the year. Uh, but now you've brought in Cam Talbot, who's fresh off a really good season. And if he's even average or slightly above average with the defense playing in front of him, then this could be a really stingy team, one of the stingiest teams in the NHL. And I think there's a lot more to be excited about, like you guys said up front, uh, than there has been in the past. And, and Fiala, it's like, it, it wasn't just a breakout. He had 53 points in his last 56 games. Like he became a star, a legitimate game breaker. And you're bringing in Kaprasov. And, you know, I remember for our, our Future Watch magazine this past year, I, I was doing a lot of work on Kaprasov stuff and talking to scouts. And they cannot, like the, the hook of the piece I wrote was no one could find a Whole. No one could admit one thing they didn't like about Kaprasov's game. He's, he's a mature player. And the blend of discussions I got from scouts is that he has the body of Tarasenko. So he's jacked. He's sturdy. He has the creativity of Artemi Panarin. And he has the general hockey smarts and positioning of Brad Marchand rolled into one. So I, I really think that, you know, given his age, he's in his early 20s, he's going to jump into the league and be an instant difference maker and maybe a Calder Trophy candidate. That's a, extremely exciting, I think, for Wild fans. Uh, but if we're looking at what we don't like, and this is the same thing that scouts said to me when I talked about Kaprizov, it's who who is going to pass that man the puck, okay? <laughs> You've got Eric Stahl's gone, Miko Koivu's gone, you're, you're shoehorning Marcus Johansson back in at center, Luke Cunningham's gone, you, you've got Nick Benino brought in, Erickson Eck, Marco Rossi, of course, is very exciting, and I know he was considered a, a mature NHL-ready prospect, and maybe he can make this team, and that changes a lot. But on paper, I think the biggest flaw right now for the wild is big hole up the middle a lot of just kind of meh type of options which is a shame because you've got some guys who can convert chances on the wings now so that's my that's my bugaboo for the wild ken what do you think is the problem with the wild what do you not like about them yeah up front is is a big problem and specifically right down the middle um you know i i like mark i guess marcus johansson's the number one center now i guess (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so that, that again is going to put 
you know, like a guy like Marco Rossi, who should be sort of sort of worked in and, and, you know, like, like what Vancouver did with Quinn Hughes last year, you know, work them in, put them into situations where he can be successful, you know, but now they're going to, now they're going to have to shoehorn him into a spot that maybe yeah, he, maybe he's ready for, but probably isn't. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, and I, I think they've just had a lot of bad luck, like a ton of bad luck with Matt Zuccarello, which was a really good pickup for them and could have really done a lot, but he broke his arm that year. He's had arm surgery again this, this off season, and he'll probably be out for an extended period of time. Um, that really hurts them, I think too. But yeah, I mean, up front, I, I'm just not super jazzed about this group at all. Well, you know what they say. Anytime you can have an ex-Buffalo Sabres winger as your number one center, <laughs> you have to do it. Right on. Yep. The next Buffalo Sabres uh, third line winger, <laughs> wherever he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, you know, just so we don't beat a dead horse, I'm not super excited about their goaltending either. I mean, Stalock and Talbot. Talbot, I mean, how many teams has he been on in the past couple of years now? He really hasn't been able to to stick around anywhere. And I mean, Staylock, yeah, he's had runs, but I mean, this is a team that needs to take it to the next level. And I'm not sure this is the tandem that can do it. Maybe, maybe they can surprise and they do have a a pretty good defense core in front of them. Sorry, Brian. I think Staylock is hurt. So So, yeah, I think it's even worse, (laughs) even worse. (laughs) Um, Capo Kakinen. I mean, he's, he's played some good hockey. So again, I mean, maybe he's kind of the X factor, but all things being equal, I think, you know, they're a good team and, and Ken's right. I think they lucked out with their division, but I don't have super lofty expectations for them. So now for, for our wedding scenario, this is one that's more believable, you know, a real, a diehard Minnesota, Minnesota <laughs> hockey fan. You're at a, you're, you're at a wedding, you're at a wedding in minnesota and someone's being really nice to you like oh geez oh nice to meet you oh really nice to see you here and they want to know about their wild so so ken uh give this wild fan some optimism well i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to i'm basically i'm gonna tell them don't get too jazzed up if this team makes the playoffs in this division it ain't that good (laughs) so that'd probably be my thing and i would say uh you might as well look forward to the high school season. Those cake eaters from Medina are going to be uh, pretty good again. Nice. Yeah, I'd say enjoy Kaprizov and enjoy your sweet division because I think the Wild, uh, to me, they're, I don't know, a pr- I think a pretty easy top four team, even though they wouldn't be in, you know, the traditional central. So, boom, it's, a ni- it's nice to, to be in, the, in this division this year. Yeah. Uh, so now we get to the bully tier. And I think, I, I mean, I think we probably all agree there's three teams that are at the top of this West division that are just going to absolutely steamroll everyone. I know it doesn't always play out exactly as you predicted, but it, it looks that way to me on paper. Next up, we have the St. Louis Blues. So, Ken, you got us started. What do you like about the Blues? Well, I mean, even without Alex Petrangelo, I really like the core of this group. Um, you know, and, and I like that, that, that Doug Armstrong, you know, responded to the departure of Pietrangelo by signing Tory Krug, um, you know, a guy who might not be a better all-around defenseman, but is probably a better offensive defenseman, or could be a better offensive defenseman, a good power play guy. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I like their veteran core. I like Ryan O'Reilly. I like, you know, the fact that they've got these battle-tested veterans that have now won a cup uh, together. I, I think a real under the 
under the radar um, uh, thing for the St. Louis Blues was replacing Mark Savard as an assistant coach with Jim Montgomery, um, who, you know, obviously had some troubles and some personal troubles in Dallas and had to resign, uh, you know, and, and hopefully he's got things going okay in his, in his personal life. It appears that he's as though he does. And I think he's going to add some real flair to that group. He's going to really help the power play. And I think they're going to be a little more dangerous. Um, you know, they're, they're just really like, the Blues are just like a really methodical, well-coached, um, you know, well-oiled machine. Are they a Stanley Cup team? Eh, probably not, unless a lot of things go right. But, uh, but they're, a, they're definitely a legitimate contender. Yeah. And what I like for this particular group of Blues is, yeah, you know, they have the established guys that we know are fantastic, but... I'm kind of excited now to see what Robert Thomas can do. I mean, he's already been very good as a young player, but what kind of role does he take on? And by the same sort of token, Colton Pareko, yeah. what does he do with Alex Petrangelo gone? I mean, yes, Tory Crew comes in, but Colton Pareko, you know, he was one of the best players I ever saw at the Traverse City Tournament um, up in Michigan, where they had the eight different NHL rookie teams. That was uh, my first sort of Colton Pareko live experience when he was coming out of college. And I mean, he was just amazing with that big shot. He's a big guy with great reach. Um, it's going to be fun to see what he can do with Petrangelo gone. I mean, they're not exactly the same kind of defenseman, but obviously there's ice time to uh, accrue now. So on top of the usual suspects of O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen, uh, it's going to be fun for me uh, to see Robert Thomas and Colton Pareko and, and what they can do as sort of the next step in their careers. For sure. And I think Robert Thomas, you know, with his limited ice time has been one of the most efficient players in the league. You know, he, he's, a, he's smart and, and considered a good two-way player, but even the offense just on a per minute basis or per 60 basis shown that there's potential for more. Uh, and I, I still see this team more or less as a juggernaut. They're really deep. Their forward group has, you know, it's diverse and physical, even guys like, like Zach Sanford really took a step forward now. And if he can maintain that just makes the team deeper from, you know, the, on the first few lines, Ryan O'Reilly, of course, one of the best leaders and two-way players in the game. Yes. You know, you're going to be without Tarasenko for a while, but I still think, you know, bringing in Mike Hoffman on the PTO, it's, it's really a fake PTO. He'll eventually likely be signed can more or less replace Tarasenko's production. I think they're pretty similar at this stages of, of their career in terms of what they bring, at least on the score sheet. Uh, and, you know, like you guys said, the Krug, it's a good consolation prize for Pietrangelo. They're still deep on D. You have Vince Dunn as well. I just think, you know, it's a deep, well-coached team. There's lots to like. What do you not like about the Blues? What are the holes, if any, in this team? Ryan? I'm not super psyched about their goaltending. Uh, you know, Jordan Binnington had a pretty rough year last year. And obviously, the standards were very high since he won a Stanley Cup uh, in his first season. But... I worry that he's been figured out and you know, that's something we've seen with goalies that, that rise really quickly in the NHL and, you know, Vili Huso is an okay backup. Um, but that would be my big concern with the blues is that as high as expectations can be for this team, that they don't get the goaltending they need to push them over the line especially in this division where, you know, because of the playoff format this year, they're going to have to go through 
probably Vegas and Colorado, at the least one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan, I'm right with you on that. I really worry about their goaltending and uh, and Jordan Bennington. I think, you know, I, I, I think you could argue that that the goaltending was the reason why they didn't get out of the first round last year against Vancouver. Um, and, and it's funny. I mean, one year the goaltending was the reason was a major reason why they won the Stanley cup. And the next year, the goaltending was a major reason why they didn't get out of the first round. So what do you have in this guy? What do you have in Jordan Bennington? He didn't prove anything before he won the Stanley cup. Then he won the Stanley cup and then he took a step back. So I think we're all back to what do you have in this guy? I mean, it's a contract year, so he'll be motivated to, um, he's on a bridge deal and he'll be motivated to, you know, to, to get himself another big contract. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced that this goaltending is, um, is up to snuff, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. It's like, when you look at what Bennington's going to be relative to his pedigree, it's like, after year one, it's like, okay, is he going to be Jonathan Quick? And after year two, it's like, is he going to be Jim Carrey? We, we don't know yet, right? A guy who, get, like you said, Ryan, gets figured out. I, I wrote that down as, a, as a, at least a question mark. I also think just the ceiling of this team offensively, uh, I, I don't love. You know, you have Braden Hoffman, um, but without Tarasenko, and, and even with Tarasenko in the lineup, I don't think the Blues were a team that had a, a game breaker, uh, you know, not, at least not a 50-goal guy. I don't, I don't think Tarasenko ever got quite to the level that we thought he was going to be a few years ago. And, you know, I, I'm really waiting for Jordan Cairo to go off. And I, it's a chicken and egg thing. It's like, is he not getting the opportunities? Has he not earned the opportunities? Or is it, you know, you know it's hard to know which causes which, but I, I, I'm hoping to see it this year because we know the potential is there for him to be a difference maker. And we saw as a junior how special he was. But I, I don't want to say he's running out of, of years. He's, he's not that old, but it's like, I want to see progress. I want to see him stick, be a regular NHL or get a chance on a scoring line. And of all years, they need him right now, uh, especially on the right side, right? So where, where he normally plays is my understanding. So I think just the offensive ceiling, I don't love. If you're summarizing the Blues, what do you say at the St. Louis wedding, Ken Campbell? Basically, I would just tell them, you know, all you can ever hope for from year to year is to be one of those teams that's in the mix and the blue that the blues are that they're in the mix, uh, and they probably will be for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I would say, leave the DJ alone. He already played Gloria. That might be a metaphor. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll say, I'm attached to St. Louis. You were the last place I was allowed to travel to before before COVID, and uh, yeah. I like Pappy's Smokehouse a lot. And you have a top ten team in the NHL still, and that's all you need, like you said, going into the playoffs, Ken. So now we're getting to the elite tier. These are teams that we have in our overall top three of the NHL. One of them, of course, is the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that looked like they were going all the way at one point in the playoffs, and then they hit hot goaltending, and they got knocked out. So a lot to like about Vegas. Ryan, you get us started. What do you like most about this team? Well, I mean, their roster is pretty hard to beat. You know, you bring in Alex Petrangelo, who was the gem of the free agent market, you add him into a defense core that already had a rising superstar in Shea Theodore and some pretty good guys behind him. You have Mark Stone up front. You have Marcia So, Riley Smith, Pacioretty, Alex Tuck. I mean, you go down the line. They have so many good players right now. In net, you actually have too many goalies right now because you have Robin Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury. But two guys you know can both get the job done. And, you know, Fleury is probably going to get traded at some point just because of cap needs. Um, 
but you you have all the elements. Um, you know, this is a Vegas team that is ready to win now. They've basically been playoff threats since they entered the league. They had, you know, a, a bit of bad luck, obviously, against San Jose that one year. But, I mean, this is a team on the, on the cusp of a title. It's just a matter of executing at the end now. Yeah, I, I really like that they this t- this is an organization that just keeps forging ahead, trying to win a championship. I mean, I, I like the Brad McCrimmon, Brad McCrimmon, I'm so sorry, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, sw- sw- you know, continues to swing for the fences here. Um, you know, I, 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 I like that they that they sort of have that, you know, I mean, now you look and any time in free agency or a, a big guy comes up in free agency or in a trade, what seems to be the number one destination in the NHL for that guy? Vegas. Vegas. Everybody <laughs> talks about all these best players going to Vegas because of what they have going there. I think that's great. Um, you know, I think, I think that really sends a pot, you know, when you, you know, when you go out and you get an Alex Pietrangelo and you get the guy, even though it in give it, you know, with what they had to give up, they might not, actually be better but I think that sends a real positive message to the fan base it sends a positive message to the players you know I think this is a team that you know obviously you know with the success they had in the first year there's just no excuses it's not like oh we're an expansion team oh we play in the desert oh we play in a non-traditional hockey market screw it you know what we want to win a championship and we're going to do everything possible we can to win one and uh, I think that attitude is 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 it, it really, really sends a positive message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I won't add too much more about the positives because they're pretty, they're, you guys have summarized them well. And, 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 you know, they are the best possession team in the NHL going into this year. They, when they're on, they completely tilt the ice with guys like Stone and Pacioretty. Shea Theodore, I think, you know, maybe the most underrated defenseman in the NHL right now. He was on my Norris ballot. And now you add Pietrangelo. And, and I think, you know, the way when I remember I was on the Zoom when Pietrangelo first signed and, and, what a thing, what a 2020 saying. I was on the Zoom, uh, but but he was talking about Shea Theodore as if they were playing together. The what, things he was referencing, it sounded like they were going to get a shot to play together. So that's it. Like, move over Jones-Wierenski. Theodore Pietrangelo could end up being the best pairing in the NHL, playing 30 minutes a night in the playoffs. So there's a ton to like. They have great goaltending for sure. Uh, but I want to transition to the dislikes. And Ken, you touched on it a bit about what they gave up to get Pietrangelo. Nate Schmidt had to go from the decor. They couldn't resign. They couldn't qualify Nick Cousins, who had been quite a useful player in the playoffs. And they got rid of their number two center, Paul Stastny. So I just don't know if the math adds up. I don't know if this team's better. The center position, I think, was their number one need. They were already good defensively. Now, they've instead of adding a center, which they needed, they removed a center. You've got William Carlson, and you're asking a lot of, of Cody Glass. The potential is there. We know that he's their long-term guy who they hope is going to be their number one center. But you're you're kind of pulling a Casey Middlestat with the Sabers right now. I, I, that's what I worry. When when Buffalo traded O'Reilly, they they assumed that Middlestat was ready. They forced him into the role, and I worry that could be happening with Cody Glass. And then the team comes down like a house of cards. You're too thin down the middle for a team that wants to be a Stanley Cup champion. I think that's a problem, and that's why I keep saying that Vegas should try to trade for Steven Stamkos. I still believe they should somehow. Uh, and we know Pacioretty was rumored to be getting traded. So I don't know whether that would be the trade, but I think they're not good enough up the middle. They're they're good enough, but I mean, for a team that's in Stanley Cup or bust mode, right? Their standard is that high. They're not at the elite level that they need to be. So I think that's a problem. Uh, Ryan, what do you see as a potential wart on this team for Vegas? Well, I, I think you're totally right about the center depth. It's, it's, it's fine for the regular season, 
But again, when you have to go up against Colorado and you're looking at Nathan McKinnon and Nazem Kadri, um, that might be a matchup problem. And, and maybe, you know, Mark Stone can be the center on the wing uh, mm-hmm. on his line. Uh, it's not ideal, obviously, but that would be the concern. And, you know, I'm also worried about the Marc-Andre Fleury situation being a little untenable and, and being a distraction. Uh, even though Marc-Andre Fleury by you know, all accounts is like the greatest teammate and a really good guy in the room that's going to loom over them until a solution is figured out. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And Matt, I I particularly agree with you. I just, I just don't know that they, for for everything that they did, that they actually made themselves any better. Um, And that's the goal here, right? Is to be a better team, you know, so you get Alex Pietrangelo, but as you say, you lose Nate Schmidt, who, who was a, a, not only a good player, but the real heartbeat of that dressing room as yes. well. A real glue guy who, you know, unlike a lot of glue guys can play, <laughs> which is important. You know, he's not just good in the room. He's really good too. Um, and, and Paul Stastny too. I think that those are, those are two big holes in your lineup, craters in your lineup. And it's not so much even that you, that you went out and got Alex Pietrangelo. I think it's the goaltending situation that has created a lot of this cap situation for, uh, for Vegas, they've got a lot of money, you know, tied up in goaltending, a lot of cap space tied up in goaltending. And the dynamic kind of really didn't play out very well. You know, it didn't play out very well for Vegas, uh, you know, in terms of how those two guys were perceived and, you know, the whole tweet by Alan Walsh, the agent, um, you know, saying that he was saying that effectively saying that Marc-Andre Fleury had been stabbed in the back. Um, you know, I, you know, I mean, this team came in, they started out as the golden misfits and, you know, there's always been this esprit de corps about this team, right? And there's always been this culture and this sort of oneness to this group. And that's been one of its real sort of galvanizing sort of factors. And now I, I wonder if that there's not a bit of a schism there, that there's not a little bit of a chink in the armor. And, you know, I mean, George, George McPhee said when they started that, when they started, he said, the great thing about having an expansion team is you're starting with a blank slate. You don't have any bad contracts. You don't have any, you know, anything, any baggage, anything. They're starting to build up some bad contracts. They're starting to build up some baggage there a little bit. Um, I also worry about the fact that Vegas, you know, I mean, Thatcher Demko was lights out against them and he was very very good but i i worry about a team that that couldn't score against the vancouver canucks and really found it hard to find the back of the net you know and uh you know do they have that elite sort of offense that can sort of hang with the best teams in the nhl i'm not 100 percent sure mm-hmm. ryan did you do your dislikes i for some reason don't remember <laughs> whether I gave you, your, gave you the yes. floor. You did yours already. Yeah. I just had a moment. Yeah. I was like, wait, Ryan did his dislikes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now you're talking to that new Vegas fan who's in line, uh, who, who's trying to skip out of the wedding to go watch the team practice with another thousand people. So what do you tell them about how you feel about their golden Knights this year, Ryan? I would say Petrangelo's the real deal. Uh, you guys are still in the mix. Alex Petrangelo is going to help Shea Theodore win an Norris Trophy. Ooh, good. Ooh, nice. I would say not better, not better with Petro, but probably as good. And that's still quite good, which means you're a cup contender in the top tier. So we're going to finish the podcast with the sexiest team, the NHL, the team that it's almost like the only reason to not pick them right now, I think is because everyone's picking them, but 
it's the Colorado Avalanche, of course, the, the, the in vogue team. Uh, so Ryan, we'll start with you. Tell me all the things you love about the Colorado Avalanche. Well, they have the best player in the league in Nathan McKinnon right now. Uh, hey, that's, that, we had him number one. I think uh, TSN might have done that too. In terms of all-around player, you know, because Nathan McKinnon plays defense, I, I anoint him number one. Um, they just, I mean, they're an offensive juggernaut thanks to McKinnon, Rantanen, Landis Skog. You know, Nazem Kadri was great for them, particularly in the playoffs. Um, you know, Nachushkin is a analytics darling uh, based on his defensive play and his sort of possession play. On defense, they have Kale McCarr, one of the best defensemen already in the league, certainly one of the best young defensemen. Um, somehow they managed to add... Devon Taves, one of the more underrated defensemen in the league coming over from a very good New York Islanders program. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to like. And, you know, I mean, the time is now. They added Brandon Saad and the time is now for Colorado. This is sort of the accumulation of Joe Sackick's amazing rebuild. Yeah, and this, this was a team, guys, that I think, you know, I mean, they could have very well said, you know, we sort of got unlucky with our goaltending and injuries in the playoffs last year. You know, we're good. We're good, and we're going to forge ahead, and we could still be one of the best teams in the league. But they went out, and they got better. You know, I thought they got better. I think Brandon Sod is a great addition for them. I think Devin Taves, you know, makes them better and faster when they were already good and fast. Um, so, you know, I mean, they, I, think that, I think they've got the potential to have the best young defense corps in the league, if not now, a few years down the road. It's really young. It's really good. It's really highly touted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're every bit the juggernaut, I think, that we think they're going to be. And, and it's, it's now. It's now. It's like Ian Cole said. We don't want to just win this year. We want to win next year and the year after that and the year after that. And if there's one team that is set up to do that and or at least you know make a run at doing that it's this one yeah i'm with you guys and i think what really changed was was the 2019 offseason because the avs were you know the exciting team that had one line of landis cog mckinnon ranson and, and then they went in they got nazim kadri and andre burkowski Eunice donskoy and they've even added to that depth now with brandon sod and suddenly they're nothing close to a one-line team the decor looks so strong and there's more help coming. Bowen Byram in our last Future Watch magazine was our number one prospect. Colorado had the number one prospect two years in a row. Number one farm system. They have they have so much cap space. So I'd almost summarize them as they have every advantage. They have maybe the best team already on paper. They still have great cap flexibility and they have great prospects. So they, which also means that if they want to pursue a big upgrade later, they have extra runoff, prospect runoff. You could take a guy who still has a lot of potential, like for example, a Connor Timmons, and you can sacrifice him to get another star player, you know, rent Taylor Hall at the trade deadline or something. Uh, so to me, I just think that Joe Sackick has done a tremendous job, not just building a team that's good now, but a team that also has room to, it's almost like it's a chessboard, but like the chess piece is the queen. They still can go in a lot of different directions because of the way he's set up with the cap and the prospects as well. So, so much to like about the team. I think it's pretty obvious that we're going to talk about the biggest question mark. It's goaltending, but uh, I'll let you start with this one. Kenny, is goaltending the problem or is there any other problem you see? Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not super jazzed about their goaltending. I mean, Pavel Frankuz and uh, Philip Grubauer are, are good uh, sometimes, and they're probably good enough. 
Um, you know, I mean, they don't need lights out goaltending on this team. They probably just need good goaltending, which they didn't get in the playoffs last year because all their goalies were hurt. And I, I think to me, that's, that's kind of where I, I see another bit of a chink in the armor. I worry about how this team responds to adversity uh, like that. Um, they kind of fumbled it against Dallas, you know, I mean, they, they, they made some big mistakes in that series, um, you know, and, and I think they got a case of the yips and, and that was, that I think is part and parcel with them being a younger team that, you know, is, is sort of working its way through these situations of adversity. I'd like to see them maybe respond to that, that adversary, a little adversity, a little bit better. Yeah. We're using a number three goalie, but it doesn't matter. You know, we are going to dictate the terms of this game and we're going to win this game. I, I kind of want to see that from them, um, you know, and that's that's really, you know, that's really about it, I think. Yeah, for me, it's just we don't know if Philip Grubauer can be that Stanley Cup goaltender because he got hurt and he was a backup essentially before that. Um, so. I'm not saying he can't be that goalie. I'm just saying I don't know if he's that goalie. For sure. I think you guys have summarized it perfectly with goaltending. And the other thing, too, is just, you know, we know that Colorado, they're an attacking team. That's how they win. Uh, they're, they were good defensively last year. I wouldn't say they were elite. They're not like a Stanley Cup caliber team defensively yet. And I don't know, looking at that blue line, we know that group can move the puck. And you have, you know, you have – experience with Ian Cole and you know a big strong guy and Eric Johnson but I don't I don't see it as a total lockdown unit on defense yet like quite at the level you need to be able to win the Stanley Cup I don't know if they're missing maybe one more guy you know maybe Bowen Byron help eventually becomes that guy for them um, but I think right now they might just be missing that one more piece again it's nitpicking we have them as our Stanley Cup pick so obviously we're not going to have too many criticisms if you're summarizing how you feel about the Avs to you're now you're at a wedding in Denton. You're at an, you're in Aspen. You just went skiing. Okay. You're hanging out with, with, with Lloyd Christmas and uh, he wants to know about the abs. What are you going to say? Starting with uh, you, Ken. I would say 20 years without a cup is long enough. This is your year. Mm. I would say Joe Sackick is the best thing in Colorado since Hunter S. Thompson. I would say Joe Sackick is the best thing in Colorado since Joe Sackick, like when he was playing. Uh, but no, what I'd say is, you know, it's their time. The only thing working against the Avs is that that team somehow doesn't win the Stanley Cup. So how many years was it Washington's time before they actually won? How many years was it Tampa Bay's time until they actually won? And even San Jose in the generation before that. And so it's like right now it looks like it's Colorado, but we might be saying this four years in a row and then they win the president's trophy a couple of times. And then they finally win the Stanley cup in like 2025. That's the only reason to, to go against them. I think otherwise they look like the class of the league and uh, that's it guys. Thanks for doing this West division preview. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to it or watching it. We've got one more division coming next week. It'll be the rejigged East division.